RTHK, the news at one with Barry O'Rourke. The headlines, the chief executive hails his trip to the Middle East, saying it bodes well for future cooperation between Hong Kong and Gulf nations. Former and current LegCo members slam a parliamentary group in Britain for revoking an invitation to Hong Kong lawmakers to an upcoming seminar. And Hong Kong prepares to send vital supplies to Turkey as the death toll from Monday's devastating earthquake passes 21,000. The chief executive, John Lee, says his trip to the Middle East bodes well for future cooperation between Hong Kong and Gulf nations. Wrapping up his week-long visit, the CE said the SAR government has signed more than a dozen memoranda or letters of intent with their counterparts in Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. Mr Lee mentioned his ambition to convince Saudi Arabian oil giant Aramco to invest in the SAR, saying he's establishing a good rapport with the company, but stressed that his visit isn't all about Aramco. The purpose of my visit is manifold, right? I am to, to tell the world and invite them to come to Hong Kong, and this extends to all the people and companies and the entities that we came across at the visit. And then, of course, we, we welcome big companies to come to Hong Kong and invest, and equally, and we have been meeting senior officials in charge of at least three uh, uh, sovereign funds, uh, as well as Aramco. Our invitation and our purpose is open to all. Mr Lee says the government will continue to strengthen ties and cooperation with the Middle East, adding that officials will conduct follow-up visits to the region. He also revealed that visiting Southeast Asia will also be on his list as Hong Kong seeks to join the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, or RCEP. My next destination will likely be countries of ASEAN because they are close neighbours and the trade and relationship have been strong. I want to raise it to an even stronger position and also want to capitalize on the good relationship so that uh, we will have more support in our accession to RCEP, which is an, another important economic and commercial relationship with uh, our neighbors. A group of former and current LegCo members have criticised a parliamentary group in Britain for revoking an invitation to Hong Kong lawmakers to join an upcoming seminar. The Hong Kong legislature was invited to join the Westminster Seminar for a discussion of effective parliaments. But the Commonwealth Parliamentary Association withdrew the invitation last month, citing the deteriorating situation in Hong Kong. The SAR politicians said these were groundless accusations. Dominic Lee is a lawmaker from the New People's Party who was originally going to attend the seminar next month. We felt that it's part of the bigger Western rhetoric, uh, which basically is anti-China. So they are using every possible avenue to uh, criticize and slander our political system, especially our enhanced political system since 2021. This seminar in itself talks about different political system and it's a chained platform. So we have a lot of avenues doing that. So we want to tell the world, the international audience, that our political system after our, our event in 2021 is better than ever. An environmentalist has questioned what the government is doing to sustain the improvements made in air quality over the past decade. Patrick Fung, CEO of Clean Air Network, was commenting after the Environmental Protection Department said that last year's air quality was the best in a decade. Mr Fung said this was due to efforts by scientists, the community and the previous two terms of government. 
questions should be made on what the current administration of government aims to do in order to sustain the improvement. But there are also other worries. EPD also admitted that at certain districts, such as Kuntong, Shengshuipo, Kuaichong, the air pollution level was still high. And these are areas with high population density. And also the regional ozone is still a big threat unresolved. And as far as we know, there's no regional pollution reduction target set for 2025 and 2030. And there's no action plan agreed among the GBA cities. So these are areas we should work harder. Turning overseas now, and the number of people known to have been killed in Monday's earthquakes in Turkey and Syria has now passed 21,000, but the full extent of the disaster is still unfolding. Rescue teams are still trying to find survivors, and aid agencies have warned of the threat faced by hundreds of thousands of people left homeless in winter without shelter or supplies. Gwen Hines is from the charity Save the Children, and she says the very young are most at risk children of course are even more vulnerable to the cold in these kind of situations so they need immediate and urgent care often their families have been hurt they may have been separated so it's making sure that somebody is looking after them keeping them safe while we try and track down relatives other people who can care for them and that'll go on in the hours the days the weeks because of course it's still far too early to know how many children have lost their families permanently it's such a horrible situation Turkey's Consul General has said that the first shipment of donations for survivors of Monday's devastating earthquake will take off as early as tomorrow. The the Turkish Consulate General had issued a call for donations to be delivered by Monday, February 13th, but said the shipment could be sent early depending on the amount of supplies and equipment collected. Speaking on RTHK's Backchat programme, Payame Kalyonchu outlined some of the top priority items that survivors of the earthquake will need. Tents, uh, blankets, like um, uh, heaters. Um, we will send them with ships, so nothing should include uh, batteries at this stage from Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, all type of scarves, gloves, hats, uh, thermos, uh, mugs, uh, flashlights, again without batteries, uh, thermal clothes, sleeping bags, uh, mattresses, um, uh, diapers, um, uh, yeah. hy- hygiene kits, uh, and also uh, uh, clothing, of course, like winter yeah. uh, suitable clothing. Hong Kong has also sent a search and rescue team to Turkey. The team comprises 59 people and includes firemen, ambulance and fire service workshop personnel, as well as officers from the Security Bureau, the Immigration Department and the Department of Health. The team also took eight tonnes of equipment, including cutting machines and life detectors. The Consul General said he met with the acting chief executive Eric Chan earlier this week, who's in touch with the rescue team and was told the authorities are ready to send more help if needed. We are grateful that uh, also uh, Hong Kong SAR government, uh, they replied very fast and positively to our call and they sent a very strong team of 59 uh, professional urban search and rescue officers to the region and they have already uh, headed to the earthquake area to assist the search and rescue operation. A committee of British MPs is calling for an official government inquiry into the UK's military withdrawal from Afghanistan in 2021, as the Taliban rapidly took over the country. MPs have warned that since the Taliban returned to power, Afghanistan is again becoming a safe haven for terrorists. The BBC's Jonathan Beale reports. The MPs call the UK's withdrawal from Afghanistan a dark chapter in British military history, not just for the troops who served there, but also for those Afghans who helped them, who've been left behind. The House of Commons Defence Committee says the speed of the collapse was a greater surprise to the military establishment than it might have been, and the government needs to conduct a proper inquiry into what went wrong. 
While the MPs praise the evacuation effort of 2021, they also say those plans should have been better prepared. A woman in New York has been convicted of attempted murder after she tried to poison her lookalike in an attempt to steal the other woman's identity. A jury found Victoria Nazarova guilty of trying to kill her hairstylist, Olga Schwick, with cheesecake laced with a powerful sedative. The BBC's Peter Bowes has more. Prosecutors say the two women resemble each other with dark hair and similar skin tones and that Victoria Nasirova had hoped to impersonate Olga Svick after killing her. On a visit to her stylist's home, she gave the 35-year-old woman a slice of cheesecake containing a deadly drug, causing her to lose consciousness. She was later found ill in bed by a friend. After being discharged from hospital, Miss Fick realised that her passport and work authorisation card were missing. Nasirova was convicted of attempted murder, assault and unlawful imprisonment. She faces up to 25 years in prison. SpaceX has carried out a static test of its huge super-heavy booster for the first time. It brings the company's Starship rocket system, which has its sights on the Moon and Mars, one step closer to fulfilment. A live stream of the test appeared to show the engines firing and huge clouds of smoke pouring across the launch site. The company's owner, Elon Musk, tweeted that 31 of the Super Heavy Booster's 33 Raptor rocket engines fired for about 10 seconds, enough engines to reach orbit, he said. SpaceX says an orbital test mission lifting off from Texas and landing off the coast of Hawaii is planned for the coming months. The American songwriter Burt Bacharach has died at the age of 94. Alongside lyricist Hal David, he produced a string of hits throughout the 60s, including I Say a Little Prayer and Walk On By. The BBC's Nick Hyam looks back on Burt Bacharach's highly productive career. If you see me walking down the street and I start to... Dionne Warwick singing a Bacharach classic, one of the many she recorded during a professional partnership lasting 10 years. Bert Bacharach learnt the piano at school in New York and worked initially as an accompanist and cabaret act arranger for Marlene Dietrich. But then he teamed up with the lyricist Hal David and created a string of memorable songs, including 24 Hours from Tulsa and Magic Moments. His musically complex songs inspired Noel Gallagher of Oasis and Elvis Costello, evidence that this driven, inspirational musician could appeal across the generations. Crucial talks between the Pakistani government and the International Monetary Fund for a bailout loan have ended without an agreement. Pakistan is desperate for the loan as it faces a deepening economic crisis that's depleted its foreign exchange reserves. The BBC's Anbarasan Etirajan has more. A senior Pakistani official said that two sides had agreed on advanced measures, but the IMF had asked for more time for negotiations. The IMF says it will issue a statement soon. Pakistan is desperate for the money as its foreign currency reserves with the central bank have dropped below $3 billion. Traders are complaining that thousands of containers have been stuck at the Karachi port as they are struggling to secure dollars from the banks to pay for the goods. The IMF said that after the talks that considerable progress had been made during the talks. 
A jersey worn by US basketball legend Kobe Bryant, who died three years ago in a helicopter accident, has sold at auction for 5.8 million US dollars at Sotheby's in New York. The sale set a new record for any Bryant item at auction, but came in under the upper pre-sale estimate of $7 million. The price was still well above the previous high of $3.7 million, paid for a jersey worn by the Los Angeles Lakers star, who won five NBA titles and two Olympic gold medals. To football and the re-emergence of the European Super League, the management company promoting it, A22, insists the new-look competition would have no permanent members and would be based on sporting performance. The original plans were revealed in 2021 but collapsed within days of being announced as most of the 12 founding members pulled out following widespread criticism. But the likes of Real Madrid, Barcelona and Juventus have still pushed for a Super League. A22's chief executive, Bernd Reichart, has been outlining their position through the group's social media platform. European club football is at a tipping point. Huge imbalances have emerged across the continent and clubs with glorious European traditions are no longer able to compete. Clubs bear all entrepreneurial risks, but too often are forced to sit on the sidelines when key decisions are made and they are watching their sporting and financial foundations crumble. And our discussions have made clear clubs are often unable to publicly speak up against a system where the threat of sanctions is used to stifle opposition. This latest development has already drawn criticism from the football world. Here's the BBC's John Bennett. The strongest reaction, no surprise, it's come from La Liga because their president, Javier Tebas, has been a long-time critic of the ESL. He wrote today on social media, I quote, The Super League is, is the wolf who today disguises himself as a granny to try to fool European football. The European Clubs Association, meanwhile, they say that this is another deliberately distorted and misleading attempt to destabilise the constructive work being done by football's real stakeholders, they call them real stakeholders. As for the chances of success, it's very tough for A22, I think, because of how badly the, the original plans were received a couple of years ago. And remember, back in December last year, UEFA and FIFA, they got significant backing in their bid to block the creation of a European Super League when, in a report released by the European Court of, of Justice, its advocate general said the rules of football's European and world-governing bodies were compatible with EU competition law. And in cricket, India dominated the opening day of their series against Australia to take control of the first test in Nagpur. Spinner Ravindra Jadeja took five for 47 on his return from injury. Australia were dismissed for 177 soon after tea on day one. The hosts then moved to 77 for one at the close, with captain Rohit Sharma ending the day 56 not out. And a short time ago, India were 118 for one and were trailing by 59 runs. And finally, to the weather. It'll be mainly cloudy and misty for one, with one or two light rain patches. It'll be warm with sunny intervals this afternoon and light to moderate easterly winds. The outlook, becoming humid and foggy and warm in the next few days. Winds will strengthen from the north. It'll be noticeably cooler on Tuesday. Currently, the temperature is 23 degrees Celsius. The relative humidity, 82%. That's all the news from RCHK. The Brew with Phil Whelan on Radio 3. And if we're drinking the bottle dry, I'ma drown in your love tonight. Shaped like a melody, straight out the 
Radio 3, who's dancing on cars. Well, good afternoon. It's nearly 20 minutes past one. Lovely fun talking to Marshy. It's nearly time, about five or so, to say hi to Danny Hicks for this week's sports and all on the list. He's got Six Nations in rugby. We've got a bit of an update on the cricket. India Aussie, first test in Nagpur. And we have the Super Bowl this coming Monday morning. (laughs) 